Welcome to BSD Talk number 48. It's Thursday, May 25th, 2006. In the news, DTrace is up and running on FreeBSD. And speaking of FreeBSD, here's an interview. Well, today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Paul Henning Camp, and he is a FreeBSD developer. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So today I just wanted to cover some basic questions uh, about BSD and what you do with BSD. So perhaps you could start by describing how you're involved in the BSD projects. My main involvement in, in FreeBSD is as a kernel developer. And this basically came about because I needed FreeBSD to work for various jobs I had back in the 90s. Today I work as an independent consultant. And more often than not, the work involves some kind of FreeBSD installation or use FreeBSD as a tool to uh, achieve whatever goal the customer has in mind. I'm doing quite a lot of work on embedded systems uh, where FreeBSD goes in as merely a component of some monitoring system or server system, time server system or similar. I've always spent six years on the on the core team uh, of the FreeBSD project from 1994 to 2000 and um, happy to be out of that part of it now because I'm not really a uh, a governing body kind of person. So today I'm more of a developer than a, a politician. When did you get started using BSD or Unix in general? Uh, Unix in general was back in the 80s, kind of in, in fits and pieces here and there. Um, I worked for Commodore computers uh, at one point and they had a prototype computer called the Commodore 900 which was a Silic 8000-based Unix computer with a graphical screen, black and white. Unfortunately, they had the Amiga coming up at the same time and didn't have the production and, and general capacity to deal with both projects. So they chose the Amiga instead of the uh, 900, and, and that's why Commodore never entered the Unix business again. Um, but that was a very interesting machine, actually. I can see on the Internet there's a couple of them still alive here and there, but... Uh, very few people know about them. Then throughout the 80s, I worked in, in various companies doing Unix stuff. Uh, we had an oil company in Denmark that swapped the IBM mainframes out for, for Unix computers, and that was a major challenge. Unix computers are not very geared for administrative data processing, printing out 30,000 invoices kind of stuff. So uh, we had a lot of fun with that. And then in the early 90s, I was mostly doing networking stuff, and when the 386 BSD came out, I saw that as a very convenient platform for putting up servers to do menial jobs like controlling printers or uh, recording data from a, a telephone switch and stuff like that. And from there, I ended up in the FreeBSD project through the various regroupings that happened after 386 BSD came out. And why do you think BSD makes a nice platform? Or why does it make a good version of Unix? It works. Much of my much much of my reason to go active into the development of FreeBSD in the early days was basically that the kind of commercial Unixes we had to deal with were, by today's standard, pretty crappy. For instance, many of the American Unix vendors did not realize that daylight savings time in Europe were different. 
so you couldn't use the daylight savings features of the operating system. You'd get wrong timestamps and stuff like that. Also, reporting bugs and getting them fixed from over in Europe were kind of like pretty much impossible because you had to go through the local office of whatever company, Unisys, NCR, whoever it was. And, you know, they would have to understand the problem and they really had no idea what you were talking about. And then they would have to report the problem uh, to some people in the other end. And more often than not, it would end up in the marketing department because that was the only telephone number they had. And, you know, three months later, they come back and tell you they can't reproduce the problem. And you're back in square one. And that was a very frustrating experience as responsible for running actual production on, on Unix systems. So so the um, the feeling that I can do better than that was certainly a major part of it. And and um, I think we've come a long way with FreeBSD. FreeBSD now more or less does just work. There's always a problem with new hardware device drivers and stuff like that. But more or less you can take FreeBSD now as a tool for building something and not have to worry about the operating system. Uh, I have one box right now that has a 500-day uptime, and there's no reason why it shouldn't continue. That's the kind of reliability and, and predictability I like from an operating system, and I think FreeBSD is doing really well in that area. And what projects are you currently working on within FreeBSD? Um, right now I'm targeted to do the TTY system uh, SMP and G conversion. And that's a bit of a nasty piece of code because the TTY system hooks into the consoles and it hooks into session management and stuff like that. So I'm I'm slowly beating my way through that. And um, I still have a lot of, of weird ideas for what to do to the file system and, and disk I.O. area. But unfortunately, my time is a bit on the short side for that right now. So uh, that's not very actually going on right now. I hope later in the year to get more time for FreeBSD and... Uh, be able to do something about that bit also. Are you saying this is TTY related to SMP? Yeah, basically SMP, once you have more than, than one CPU, you need to be very careful about not blocking the system down where only one CPU can do work. Fortunately, TTYs are not as important as they used to be. It used to be you had a VAX and you had serial terminals and you had you know 200 VT120 uh, terminals standing around or something. And these days, people will use SSH uh, to log into the system, and they'll use the uh, the console to log into the system, and that's about it. But the code is still there, and it needs to be updated to be able to work on multiprocessor systems. You can't have a system slowing down to only one CPU just because somebody logs into it. So there's a lot of ancient code used to optimize the interrupt load on VAXs and stuff like that that really can be done without now because we have so much more CPU power and so much less TTY traffic that it could be done much simpler. But I'm not sure I dare touch that. For, for now, I think I'll simply concentrate on getting the locking right so that we can have more than one CPU in the TTY code at one time. Hey, I guess a while ago there was a big push within FreeBSD to work on SMP, and I guess some decisions about how to go about that led to uh, some people going in one direction with Dragonfly BSD and the FreeBSD project going in a different direction. How do you think the SMP work is going with FreeBSD? How mature is it? How well does it scale? And perhaps where does it need to improve? I think it's going extremely well. Uh, we saw some numbers presented at BSDCAN, which, quite frankly, I'm very happy with. Chris Kenaway showed some file system scalability numbers, which were very, very impressive. And um, the networking work is going forward really well also. Not quite finished, but it, uh, already it has 
pretty good performance for multiprocessing systems and as far as I know pretty much beats the the four point X branch of FreeBSD now in, in most crucial benchmarks. So I'm very happy with it. It's it's taking five years longer than we thought it would, but there was this dot com thing that came across us. But I'm very happy with the result and I think the uh, the overall philosophy we chose have, have proven to come out right. That's not to say that it can't be done in other ways. I think the the basic idea that Matt Dillon has, has proposed for the Dragonfly project is very intriguing in a world where we'll see more and more CPU cores. But I also think it has some significant technical hurdles to uh, to cross. So I'm sort of looking forward to see if he can do that. If he can square that circle, he certainly has something very interesting. But I'm not sure I would bet the FreeBSD project on, on that idea. So I think it's a, a, a great idea. He's taking his idea and started a new project and and can work on it then, we can continue uh, our work this way, and it comes out two or five years from now that he shows out to be right. So much the greater for the open source environment. And what uh, versions of FreeBSD are you running? (laughs) I always run the same version of FreeBSD. I run current. I'm a firm believer in uh, eating my own dog food. So um, I run current, and my home directory is encrypted with GBDE and... uh, I have all the debugging features enabled in the malloc implementation and so on. It's it's sort of a principle for me because if it doesn't work well enough that I can run it on my laptop, then clearly something needs to be fixed and needs to be fixed fast. That's sort of my my ground truth. Does my laptop work? And right now it does, apart from suspend and resume. That's sort of a hit and miss thing. It It works in some month and then another month it doesn't work and then it starts working again. I've never looked into ACPI, and I hope I can avoid it, but it doesn't look as the most stable technology to me. And are you running primarily I386, or are you running on other architectures? To the extent I've been able to afford it, I've been trying to have our architectures represented in my lab. Um, And that means I actually do have an alpha machine. I have a Spark 64 machine, and I have an AMD 64 machine. I'm going to try to lay my hands on some ARM and maybe PowerPC and MIPS if we go on those platforms. Because when you do foundation work, infrastructure work, like the the uh, buffer cache and disk I.O. or TDI code, it's important to be able to tell that it actually works on all the different platforms. Just fixing the buffer cache on 386 is not an option. It has to work on all platforms. So I like to be able to have them all in my lab and have them all running. And, of course, there's also a little bit of just being a geek about that, having different architectures is fun. You mentioned that you did some embedded work. What architectures is that on? That's mostly on the 386 at, at, at this point in time. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much in love with the uh, Circris computers, which is a, a small, sufficiently PC-alike that you can pretty much do anything you can do on a PC, but it doesn't have graphics, it doesn't have keyboard and all that stuff, so it's just a small box that uses not very much power, and you can nail it to the wall somewhere and forget it because there's no rotating parts in it. So that's my, my platform of choice for embedded work. I think my first embedded platform was actually a transistor-built computer many years ago. So what features of the next release of FreeBSD are you most looking forward to? That's a good question. Because of run current, I don't think I see the releases as uh, major things to look forward to. Uh, I was a release engineer for a couple of FreeBSD releases. Uh, pretty much all of the 2.x series was my problem. So in, in some sense, I probably still have an emotional hang-up about release engineering. And because I run current, it's more of a, a gradual process for me. It's not like I do... I, so now we try the new release and we get the new features. New features sort of dribble in along the road in, in current. 
So I don't know if there's anything I particularly look forward to in the next release. There's, there's certainly some things I look forward to, to getting to work better, for instance, the TTY system and the the VS buffer cache and, and sort of stuff like that. But whether that happens for the exact next release or the next one again is pretty much not something I have very much control of, uh, about. That depends on how much time is available and how hard the problem is and whether you get the right idea to fix it and so on. So, so in that sense, I'm probably a bit atypical by not really thinking about releases very much anymore. Perhaps another way to ask the question would be, if you do consult for customers, do you run your customers on current? And if you don't, are your customers perhaps looking forward to some features or fixes in future releases? Well, in the, in, in the market where I mostly work, I think what people are interested in is getting their problems solved. And the Unix or FreeBSD part is just one, one of the components that goes into the solution. So I don't think they really have a uh, much awareness of it existing. For all they care, there's a box running here. It's it's looking after their transmitters, or it's sending out NTP timestamps for them or something. And and what goes on in the box is pretty much irrelevant as long as it fulfills the specifications and is cheap, stable, and and all this stuff. So so in that sense, many of my customers are not really cognizant of the fact that there's a FreeBSD machine in in their solution. I mean, they know it and they get all the source code on a CD-ROM and all that stuff, but I think the place where the feature set makes most difference is where you use FreeBSD as a workstation, as in can you get your graphics and sound to work, or when you use it as a high-performance server where the raw performance and network driver availability and stuff like that makes a big difference. One of my current uh, customers is actually an open-source project, going to be an open-source project, but right now we're we're a little bit close about it, which is a um, web cache daemon for server-side Many content management systems are very slow. They have to you know, pick the article out of a database and put ads and put this and put that and that frame and so on around it. So they're terribly slow in actually producing the content. And people will put some kind of cache in front of it, like an Apache or a Squid or something like that, or maybe buy one of these horrendously expensive boxes to do it. And basically what we're trying to do here is, is to write an open source, open cache daemon that is going to be as incredibly fast as we can do it, and in that case, of course, the raw network performance and the raw disk performance is, is very interesting. But again, in this case, this is not being targeted solely at FreeBSD, so people will be able to put it on pretty much any decently Unix-like operating system if they want. So in, in that case, FreeBSD is just one of the competitors as, as the underlying platform. But needless to say, I'm developing it on FreeBSD because that's what runs on my laptop. Will it be released under the BSD license? I believe the license is BSD, yes, and and I hope we will be able to pull in some um, early testers and developers over summer here. Um, the concept is very interesting. I, I talked about it at BSD. Can a lot of people took notice because there's certainly some novelty in the concept. Hopefully, we'll hear a lot about this. The, the name of the project is Varnish, and uh, maybe it will take off and maybe it won't. Time will tell. I'm sorry, what was the name of that project again? Varnish, as in uh, Varnish. giving a code of... Vanish. Gotcha. So speaking of your laptop, maybe you could describe a little bit what it looks like when it turns on. Uh, what are you running for a environment? Are you at the console, or are you running a graphical environment? This is going to be terribly disappointing for you. <laughs> I run X, uh, X11 because it gives me the ability to have multiple terminal windows open at the same time on the same screen. I admit to running a Firefox and an ERC client, but my window manager is the uh, old and proven CTWM, 
and um, I'm not really good at running KD and GNOME kind of things. I never know what to, to click on or where to click on and to find things. I'm pretty much a command line kind of person. So um, basically for multiplexing terminals, I'm, I'm using a graphical environment. Yeah, and a lot of the developers that I talk to do seem to work in a similar environment where it's a minimal window manager just so they can have X terms open. And another you thing, know, I guess, I, would be... I, I, I oh, think it's an age thing, actually. I mean, I grew up working on 9600 terminals, and um, I guess I never quite got out of the habit. I, I tried to working with an um, integrated development environment for an um, embedded platform recently. You know, one of these totally thing where you have the editor and the compiler and the debug and everything on the same screen. And it was an annoying uh, experience for me because, I mean, I had this small window with my source code, probably around 24 lines by 80. And, and then I had buttons and sliders and God knows what all around it on the screen. And it's like the main thing for me is being able to see my source code and, and all these buttons, I had no idea what half of them did. It's like, how do I compile? How do I load the code? And forget about the rest of them. So I guess in that sense, I'm sort of an old-fashioned developer. Of course, I would use the older, wiser correlation to claim that this is a better way to do it. But <laughs> I probably have very little statistical backing for it in, in the real world. So you're in Denmark, and I guess it'd be interesting to hear about BSD in Europe or Denmark. Are there uh, Denmark BSD users groups? We have a uh, BSD users group in uh, in Denmark. And um, it's, to a large extent, a social thing where people will gather around a uh, bonfire during summer and burn some burgers or in some suitably selected pub during winter to get some beer. And every so often we'll have a meeting with a couple of talks and stuff like that. But it's it's a nice group, and um, we're having a lot of fun. And uh, next year we are uh, doing the uh, EuroBSD Con 2007 conference September 14th and 15th, 2007 in Copenhagen. And uh, we'll be trying to make that a really good event to pull in people from all over Europe and, and some Americans too if we can. So that's going to take up quite a lot of activity on our part now over the next year. And are you going to be participating or be part of the uh, organization of that? I think we had our first meeting about it uh, yesterday, actually, and I think I ended up, my name ended up like three points in the uh, to-do list, so I'll very much be involved in, in actually doing it. Whether I'll be doing any presentations is, is any good question right now. Depends whether I have time to have anything interesting to talk about. Are you planning to go to the EuroBSD in Italy this year? I plan to go to all the EuroBSDCon conferences and I also go to the uh, BSD CAN conference every year in, in Ottawa. Um, and that's partly because as a senior developer in, in FreeBSD, I need to be able to communicate with the other developers during the developer summits, but also to, to talk to people about what they're using FreeBSD for and, and to see if we're moving in the right direction. For instance, this year at, at BSD CAN in Ottawa, there was a lot of talk about embedded systems suddenly. That's like water on my mill, but... But suddenly there's a lot of people saying, yeah, you know, we put FreeBSD into these little boxes. We put FreeBSD into these access points. We do things we can't talk about with things we can't talk about. But the reason why we're here is FreeBSD and stuff like that. Um, so there seems to be a lot of momentum building in that area now. And, and getting in touch with the users that way is very um, valuable to me as a developer to see where we should focus. What do we need to work on? What are we not explaining well enough? 
A lot of people come up and say, is there a way to do this? And you say, oh, yeah, we've had that for five years. And they say, oh. So, so clearly our documentation and, and general advocacy of features is, is a very important thing. If, if you search the net, you'll practically find nothing about using FreeBSD in embedded environments. And we'll have to do something about that and explain more to people that this is actually one of the things it does really well. I haven't looked in a long time, but and last I checked, there hadn't been activity in a while. But I used to uh, mess around with Pyco BSD, the single floppy BSD distribution. Yeah, and unfortunately, floppy disks have gotten rather small these days. I spent a lot of the 90s fighting to be able to install FreeBSD from a single floppy disk and then picking the rest off the net or something like that. And and I think the single floppy disk is simply now too small a a target. If you need to have the ACPI code in for to support your motherboard or whatever you're running on, then pretty much that takes up a megabyte on its own. So I think Pygo BSD sort of fell off the um, the radar for people as floppy disk simply became too small to do things. The happening place these days is the Italian Frisbee project. Um, which is more aimed at the uh, running off a CD-ROM kind of thing. It started out as this kind of uh, run-only CD-ROM where you could stick it in a Windows machine, boot off the CD-ROM, and you had a FreeBSD environment. And and it's gradually uh, transforming into be a much more general and configurable tool. So now you can b- uh, build all sorts of images for all sorts of environments using uh, the Frisbee toolkit. And... I'm the the nano BSD thing which I've I've been doing is probably at some point going to be built using the Frisbee built platform because there's no reason to have two different ones if, if that platform can do it. So that's where we'll see a lot of the activity. But it still leaves a hole at the bottom of the scale where people work on on very small system on chip like systems where you have like four megabytes of flash and two megabytes of RAM and that's it. Um, for that kind of system, you need to have a build approach where you say, okay, I want bin LS, I want bin shell, but I don't want any of the rest of of that stuff. And where you simply pick and, and choose the very few programs you will need to be able to run, for instance, a wireless access point or a firewall, stuff like that. And we have a hole in, in that end of our, our build area. And that was one of the things that came out at Ottawa BSD can. And hopefully we'll be able to do something about that. Are there any other topics you want to talk about today. I, I guess if there's one thing I would want to say is that one of the things we're horribly at, a bad at in the FreeBSD project is actually involving our users. It takes a lot of, of insistence on the part of our users to be able to help us. And this is probably just the accumulated bad habits of a bunch of computer code nerds who prefer to look at their source code to anything else. So I I think if there's any last thing to say it is to our users, just keep nagging us. We will eventually listen to you. And um, support the FreeBSD Foundation if you can squeeze $1,000 out of your boss or something like that. It also helps FreeBSD a lot. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me today. You're welcome. And I just want to uh, wish you luck on your work, and thank you very much for all the effort that you've been giving to the FreeBSD project. Thanks. If you'd like to leave comments on the website, You can reach it at bsdtalk.blogspot.com or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com.